Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hey there, my name's Michael Laminato and this is Practice Day at the 2023 Japanese Grand Prix on Pit Pass F1. Pit Pass F1 is brought to you by Evergreen Podcasts. And on today's episode, Max Verstappen is back on top in Formula One, blitzing both practice sessions to ensure Red Bull Racing gets its first chance at the Constructors' Championship this weekend. Ferrari and McLaren are closely matched for best of the rest, with Charles Leclerc and Lando Norris both front row contenders ahead of the lacklustre Sergio Perez, who was more than a second off the pace. And Alpha Tauri has issued an update on Daniel Ricciardo's rehabilitation from his broken hand as Liam Lawson prepares for another stand-in drive. To talk us through all that, plus a surprise driver announcement from McLaren, let's hear from your host, it's Chris Medland. Hello again everyone after practice day at Suzuka and as Darkness Falls here, the rain has started once again just like it did yesterday after media day on Thursday when there was a huge thunderstorm actually, uh, lots of lightning as well around that and some really heavy downpours. Today's not quite so severe and it does look like we're going to get away with dry running throughout the weekend but just with rain at certain times in the evenings. Uh, very hot and humid actually this week, it's akin to Singapore really in terms of uh, the conditions in that sense. Uh, but then that that's also led to high tyre temperatures because of the track surface being hotter as well uh, and then drivers struggling a bit with degradation today in practice but uh, a few complaints from drivers in terms of the track surface just being very slippery almost like it's breaking up on the surface in a certain way uh, and giving them less grip which is quite interesting to hear because we haven't had that complaint at Suzuka before and it's given them a bit of a new challenge to face but it's not a challenge that has derailed Red Bull it was almost as if they were trying to make a point after last weekend's struggles in Singapore uh, and the Constructors' Champions hit the ground running from the very first lap. Max Verstappen went to the top of the times at the start of FP1 by well over a second and it took a while for anyone to get near him. In fact, they barely did get near him as Carlos Sainz ended the first session over 0.6 seconds adrift with Lando Norris in third a little bit further back. And Christian Horner, uh, in the break between sessions, even went as far as to call it a statement from Verstappen. So I think Red Bull were kind of tiring of the focus on whether Singapore was the sign of the team really having a major problem rather than just a, a one-off weekend. Now, FP2 was a closer affair, uh, with the gap coming down to Ferrari and McLaren. As Charles Leclerc then was second fastest on this occasion, taking over from Carlos Sainz. And the gap then was 0.3 seconds, so he kind of halved it, uh, but Verstappen still quickest. And and Norris was again third within half a second of the pace setter. So we saw the gaps get a bit smaller. Uh, McLaren and Norris kind of saying, well, this is closer than we normally are on a Friday. So uh, a lot more positive than other weekends have been in that sense for them. But he was another one to complain that the car didn't actually feel that great because of the track surface. So uh, interesting to hear those comments from a lot of drivers. The pecking order behind Verstappen was pretty much business as usual. 
Ferrari, McLaren, Mercedes and Aston Martin looking like the chasing pack with Alex Albon appearing also to be capable of reaching Q3 in the Williams. That looked quick over one lap, but Albon was yet another driver to say struggling in race pace because of the, the grip levels and sliding around, certainly through the first sector. Although interestingly, Logan Sargent on his first visit here also set the fastest final sector of the day despite ending up with the slowest overall time of FP2. So that was quite remarkable almost to be the quickest car of all 20 cars uh, in that final sector it is a short sector i must add but uh, it shows that he was on the pace there uh, but then was off the pace so much in the other two that he was slowest overall so uh, still work to be done for the rookie but maybe some encouraging signs it was a slightly challenging day that didn't end particularly well for alpine though as pierre gasly ran slightly wide out the second degna after locking up and the second degna is the final corner before the track crosses underneath itself uh, and while he appeared to get the car under control in the gravel, I thought he'd got it all collected up. He then brushed the wall and the front left corner folded in. There must have been part of the barrier sticking out in a certain way that meant that the front left corner did collapse. Uh, and that meant a red flag to slightly cut running short. There were about three minutes left on the clock when the session was ended uh, and left some repair work to do for Alpine overnight. Now, one of the usual occurrences on a Friday is a team members press conference, and there were plenty of interesting topics discussed uh, during that today, but I want to focus on AlphaTauri and Red Bull out of that. Now, the AlphaTauri head of trackside engineering, Jonathan Eddles, was speaking about Daniel Ricciardo's recovery, and he stated that the team would not rush the Australian back. He's been told to take his time and not to overdo it, trying to be back sooner than is reasonable after having had surgery on his broken hand. Now, I caught up with Ricardo actually in Singapore last weekend, just before the race. I had a similar injury to him uh, nine months ago, and we were comparing grip strength exercises that need doing uh, as the little finger becomes tough to close into a fist. Uh, so if you imagine balling your hand up into a fist, and while the middle three fingers are all aligned, the little finger will be sticking up further because it just doesn't close down as much. That's the sort of issue that Ricardo is now trying to deal with. You use strength balls, you use uh, resistance bands, lots of different apparatus to try and really get um, the strength back in that finger and in the joint and in the muscles and ligaments there. Uh, so that's what Ricardo is working on. Qatar was always an outside bet given the doctor's feedback after surgery, but it is the first realistic opportunity for Ricardo to return. So that's what he and his team will be kind of looking at at the moment and targeting over the next few weeks. Otherwise, it will likely be Austin uh, and AlphaTauri trying to make sure he's fully fit when he does come back. Uh, and it's kind of interesting, a few reports then came out the back of it that said Ricardo had, had a setback seeing as they were then saying he might not be ready for Qatar, but that's not the case at all. Uh, that He's following uh, the timeline that he was given by a doctor and what is realistic for a recovery from that sort of injury and has had the pressure taken off him by the teams saying, look, we like what you've done so far. Don't come back and, and do more damage. There's no point in that. We want to see you at your best. Christian Horner was someone who said similar, saying that he'd been impressed with Ricardo in the few appearances he'd made this year. But also, so too, now has Liam Lawson, who's replaced Ricardo, alongside Yuki Tsunoda, who's had a very strong season. So it's created a good headache for Red Bull, Horner says, of having three drivers that need to fit into two seats. Now, there had been rumours earlier this weekend of a Tsunoda announcement at Suzuka about the Japanese driver staying with AlphaTauri for 2024. And there's every chance we will get that confirmed this weekend but it is sounding more and more like it will be Sonoda and Ricardo in the two race seats next year with Liam Lawson then set to miss out now personally I think that's tough on Lawson who has really shone after being thrown in at the deep end 
but that has been recognized by Horner who says that Lawson is going to be a Grand Prix driver in the future although he wouldn't confirm when that would be but he certainly has put himself in a position where he's going to have a full-time drive at some stage and he said if that's not next year then Horner suggested Lawson won't be driving for Williams who have yet to confirm Logan Sargent for 2024 but instead will be being kept busy by Red Bull. Now, there was also an unexpected bit of news on Friday that came out. And once again, it did involve drivers and a McLaren driver contract. Now, for anyone who listened to yesterday's episode, you'll know that Oscar Piastri's new deal was one of the main talking points on Thursday after being announced on Wednesday evening. uh, Wednesday evening here in Suzuka anyway. And McLaren then revealed an interesting name for one of its reserve drivers in 2024. Now, if I told you to have a guess, I don't think you'd have got this one because Ryo Hirakawa is one of the Toyota World Endurance Championship drivers who won the 2022 Le Mans 24 Hours and the title that year too. And he's currently racing in Super Formula, having been the 2017 Super GT champion. So doing a dual calendar for Toyota-backed teams, uh, one in Japan and one internationally with WEC. And despite being a Toyota driver, Hirakawa has now been named as part of the McLaren Driver Development Programme and he has a super license, so he will be a reserve driver alongside Pato Award next year. Now, Award hasn't been confirmed in that role himself yet, but that was always the intention to have at least one of the IndyCar drivers do that. Uh, Award just having to get confirmation that he does have a super license uh, because McLaren believe he now can use the last four years of results from uh, IndyCar. The, the best three of those four give him enough super license points. So once the FIA ratified that, that will mean Award becomes a reserve driver. But Hirakawa is in there as well. McLaren did need at least one more reserve option, having seen Alex Palau opt not to join the team uh, on the IndyCar side next year. And he's kind of in a contract dispute there, uh, having basically said he's not going to honour the deal he'd signed to join McLaren's IndyCar setup and become a Formula 1 reserve in 2024. But Hirakawa was not someone on the radar in the F1 paddock, I must admit, despite his good results elsewhere. Now, McLaren says the 29-year-old has already been in the simulator, so he must have impressed them there. And they've also done well to keep that under wraps and keep it quiet because quite often you start to hear of drivers that have been working with Formula 1 teams and in a factory on a certain day and you wonder why they were there. But none of that with Hirakawa. Uh, but as of yet, there's also no public confirmation of any Formula 1 seat time that's planned with a ward doing FP1 and the young driver test in Abu Dhabi at the end of the season. But if there are any updates in terms of Hirakawa getting some time to drive a Formula 1 car, be it this year's car or even a previous car that a lot of drivers have been able to test recently, then I'll bring that to you after tomorrow because he's going to be unveiled in the pit lane alongside Zach Brown and Andrea Stella. Thanks very much to Chris, who's in Japan all this weekend, bringing us the latest from the Suzuka paddock. Make sure you don't miss an update from the Japanese Grand Prix by subscribing to Pit Pass F1 wherever you get your favourite podcasts, and you can visit us at pitpassmotorsports.com. While you're there, check out the Pit Pass Motorsports blog, powered by Podium Life, featuring racing articles and motorsport industry news. You can also keep up to date with goings-on between episodes by following Chris on social media. Just check the links in the show description. My name's Michael Laminato. Pit Pass F1 is an evergreen podcast. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. 
offer a solution. Utilize cutting edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.